Here's a quick history and polity lesson about un the Unitarian Universalist faith. We are a non-creedal, non-dogmatic faith. You do not have to believe anything that is said from this pulpit by me, nor any other minister or layperson. We call it freedom of the pulpit, meaning whoever is here is free to say whatever is on their heart and mind, and freedom of the pew, or freedom of the more comfortable chairs in this case, um, meaning you're free to agree with whatever is said from here uh, and free, to dis, uh, free also to disagree with it. In order to belong to the Unitarian Universalist Association, which is the association of UU congregations, in order to be part of that, each UU congregation covenants or promises to affirm and promote the seven principles. Not believe them, just affirm and promote them as a congregation, not as individuals, the, not, a, not at all, just as a congregation. We, we voted way back when this church was formed and we joined the UUA that we would affirm and promote this as a congregation. This, the seven principles can be found along with the six sources near the front of the gray hymnal. Don't do it now, but I encourage you at some point to, to check that out. No one individual has to agree with the seven principles, nor believe all of them or even one of them. As a group, though, we've agreed to affirm and promote them. The principles are sort of the basic tenets of what's important and what we value as a congregation. And the sources um, that we, the sources themselves are what we draw upon in order to understand the ways that we live out those principles or values as a congregation. You can, if you choose, and many people do resonate with the principles and go, oh yeah, this is what's important to me and that's why you're here and that's why you join. So, they're written in Article 2 of the UUA bylaws, and we, all the people and the congregations, are the, our UUA, Unitarian Universalist Association. Because we're a living tradition, meaning that our revelation is not sealed. So at some point with the Christian Bible, they said, enough already. Right? We're not taking any more books or any new thought. We're, we're stopping this right now. And here are the books that get to be counted, right? So we didn't, we, we decided not to do that, actually. We, we said, no, life evolves and, and we're going to go with that. And so there have been times when things have come out like, this definite statement and then something happens like Charles Darwin and we and and the <laughs> Unitarians had to go oh oh we 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 have to revamp what we were thinking um so let me see that was ad-libbed so I have to go back to my place now um so so we find information that's different than what we were thinking, and then we broaden and expand, right? Constantly drawing the circle wider is part of who we are. 
as a faith tradition. More and more inclusive, more and more belonging. Where's Jeff? He likes, that's the word he wants to use. Yes, there you are. More and more belonging, more and more people belonging. That's who we choose to be. So the thing is that what's written in the by article two is in the bylaws of the of our Unitarian Universalist Association when it was established. And it's written also in our bylaws that every 15 years, Article 2 is up for review. Now, we've talked about this before, but I'm going to, this is another, this is a little refresher. So um, what is happening now is after 30 years, because 15 years before this, when it was done, we didn't really make any changes but a lot has happened in the last 15 years. And so we've had a whole group of people working on this, it's been out to congregations for many years. She's fine, just so you know, really, truly. Um, uh, so we'll be moving hopefully from principles to a focus on values, using a lot of the same language with love clearly at the center love at the center of this faith. So the principles and sources aren't necessarily going away. They're part of our history and who we are. We're just going to talk about it with different wording. So for our purposes today, though, the sources are things like world religions, words and deeds of prophetic people, humanist teachings, Jewish and Christian teachings, and earth-based um, traditions that we draw from. And then there's one more. And that's the one I want to focus on today. It's the first source listed, and it's, here's how it's worded, direct experience of that transcending mystery and wonder, affirmed in all cultures, which moves us to a renewal of spirit and an openness to the forces which create and uphold life. direct experience, I'm going to read it again, of that transcending mystery and wonder affirmed in all cultures, which moves us to a renewal of the spirit and an openness to the forces which create and uphold life. Transcending mystery and wonder. Mystery is this transformational theme for this month. And we may think of mystery as something rather ethereal and unreachable. We don't know. The greatest thing we don't know, according to the philosophers from long ago, is what exactly is life. Life's greatest mystery is life itself. Why is there something rather than nothing? They asked. Why are we here? Recently, I heard the story of a six-year-old boy whose family frequently went camping. He said, in all my years, in all my years when we were camping, before I knew the sounds that I was hearing at night were crickets, I thought I thought I was hearing the stars. I love that so much. 
it's lovely, isn't it, to think about the mystery, about what we don't yet know, about magical things, about everyday miracles happening. And sometimes when I read or remember the source about direct experience, I imagine it as this like amazing journey of, oh, I don't know, what do you think of? Like floating, moving through space, seeing all these beautiful out of the ordinary objects or having, having an experience where my body transports somewhere, you know, like beam me up Scotty or something like that. Hear the words of Theodore Razak in Person Planet. You and I, we meet as strangers, each carrying a mystery within us. I cannot say who you are. I may never know you completely, but I trust that you are a person in your own right, possessed of a beauty and value that are the earth's richest treasures. So I make this promise to you. I will impose no identities upon you, but will invite you to become yourself without shame or fear. I will hold open a space for you in the world and defend your right to fill it with an authentic vocation. For as long as your search takes, you have my loyalty. I tell you all this about where I come from and who I come from, because you're like me. We come from somewhere. We come from somebody, some bodies. We were born into something. It's already in motion like a play, and we stumbled onto the stage somewhere in the middle of the second act. A child is like a blank slate? No. Our lives are loaded from the beginning with history and drama and love and wounds and tragedy and hope. I'm mysterious enough to myself, let alone the ones I come from let alone all the people I'm constantly encountering with your own hopes and fears and histories and mysteries, let alone this floating ball of rock that we call home that's hurtling through space at 67,000 miles per hour. There is something infinite about all of it. We never stop learning who we are and how we've been shaped by the people and places we come from. Our hearts and minds and memories are endlessly explorable. There's more than enough to discover for one lifetime. And that's just us. If we move beyond ourselves to the world around us, it's staggering. All the galaxies in the universe are moving away from all the other galaxies in the universe because the whole thing has been expanding for 13 billion years. What? Our galaxy, the Milky Way, the one we call home, is traveling at around 500,000 miles per hour. Why? Where is it going? <laughs> and apparently, the sun is going to burn out in around 5 billion years. 
So this doesn't go on forever. It has an end. And time we now know is actually a persistent illusion. What we understand as past and present and future are all happening now. What? And we're each made up of billions and billions and billions of atoms because everything everywhere is made of atoms and atoms aren't really things or stuff at all but more like relationships of energy or clouds of possibilities that are mostly made up of empty space what an astonishing phenomenon this is this life that we find ourselves in theodore razak My words from here will just be boring. <laughs> Direct experience of transcending, going beyond the limits we know. Mystery and wonder. Direct experience of transcending mystery and wonder. Here's the rest of it, though, which moves us to a renewal of the spirit and an openness to the forces which create and uphold life. Think about how much bigger things are than us and let your spirits be renewed. There is a lot that is heavy. There is a lot to worry about. And there is a lot bigger than we are. Starhawk defines magic as the art of changing consciousness at will. The art of changing consciousness at will. Give that a minute. It can happen in a moment. Thinking about something differently. Choosing to reframe something is a kind of magic. In college, I spent a whole semester studying frameworks. The idea of them at least the way I thought of it then was that what frames certain ideas, situations, or certain phenomenon, culture, beliefs, certain things fit within certain frameworks. And there are many different frameworks. Not all within the framework is sweetness and light, though. The magic then happens when we're able, when we choose to, when we decide to think of something in a different way, when we choose to open ourselves to being renewed and more open. Perhaps the direct experiences of transcending mystery and wonder are us experiencing the world as it is, warts and all, with all those billions of galaxies and having to do the dishes and take out the trash and being willing to see it in a new way and be changed by it. 
Perhaps the magic lies in a shift of our consciousness as we acknowledge that we live in and are surrounded by mystery, by miracles, and by magic, whether we acknowledge it or not. And the truth is that we, it may not look like what we imagine. It may not look like how we define beautiful or even miraculous or wonder-filled. Krista Tippett writes, spiritual life is a way of dwelling with perplexity, taking it seriously, searching for its purpose as well as its perils, its beauty as well as its ravages. In this sense, spiritual life is a reasonable, reality-based pursuit. It can have mystical entry points and destinations to be sure, but it, it is in the end about befriending reality, the common experience of mystery included. We choose to have a spiritual life. We choose to focus on our connection with our deepest selves, to open to life's gifts, that connection with others and with all that is, and to serve needs greater than our own. Or to put it another way, we choose to see the connection between the mystery, the magic, and the miraculous. Peter Mayer in his song, Holy Now, writes, when I was in Sunday school, we would learn about the time Moses split the sea in two and Jesus made the water wine. And I remember feeling sad that miracles don't happen still. But now I can't keep track because everything's a miracle. Wine from water is not so small, but an even better magic trick is that anything is here at all. So the challenging thing becomes not to look for miracles, but finding where there isn't one. We can make the sound of crickets be the sound of stars until we know that it's crickets instead. But does it make it any less miraculous, any less magical, any less of a mystery? Artist Peter Van Stratton says, if you don't take reality for granted at all, any of the time, then whatever is in front of you is absolutely miraculous particularly natural beauty. The richness of reality is this constant feeding frenzy for my brain. Everything you see all the time could be used into, in a painting or a story or a song. This sounds amazing, but really it can be so difficult and has been difficult, especially lately. We're gonna talk about some of that next week. And you don't need me today to give a list of all the ways that it's difficult to see everything as miraculous. But what if we could? What if the direct experience we find is the mystical experience of each other? What if the objects floating through space are us, ordinary people, the common life, some oil that lasts longer than we thought it would, a comet in the sky, a kind word, a song sung, a meal made, a potluck dish lovingly offered, a graduation celebrated, 
a toilet plunged, a cat on your lap, a dancing body, a prayer said, a tear shed, the sound of a cricket or the sound of a star. There's nothing more beautiful, more magical, more miraculous, and sometimes more mysterious than befriending reality, the common experience of mystery included. May we attempt to live our days that way. Amen and blessed be.